you're now tuning in to a sports talk podcast produced by the right way sports network and ceo malik Wright. be sure to follow the team's social media on instagram at tws net on twitter at tws net and on facebook at the right way sports network we want to change the way you view sports and get your information and there's only one way to do that the right way And thank you guys for joining us for another episode here of the Right Way Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Right Way Sports Network. I'm your host, CEO Malik Wright, here joined with my other two hosts with Miss Alexis. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? You know, I'm excited. I'm excited. We finally got some sports to talk about of the current, I'd say. Um, also joined with Daniel, all the way from California. How's it going, Daniel? I'm excited, man. I'm excited to bring some more entertainment to our viewers. Right, right, right. Uh, guys, also be sure to follow us on Instagram, TWSNet, on Facebook at the Right Way Sports Network, on Twitter at TWSNet. We're always answering your questions. And check out our media page, too, TWSN.media as well, where we're always updating you with our articles and content, getting you all geared up for our mobile app release, which we are super, super excited for. Also want to let you guys know, uh, if you've missed any of our podcasts in the past, or you want to catch this podcast right now, <laughs> for instance, and you're not able to listen in live, you can click the link in my bio, Daniel's bio, Alexa's bio, and you it'll take you to a page called Anchor. Now, Anchor is basically set up to where you can listen to all of our podcasts on whichever platform you desire. It can be anywhere from an Apple's podcast to a Spotify podcast to a, a Breaker or a Google's podcast, and the list goes on. Also, for those of you who have been supporting the Right Way Sports Network for so long, if you want to be able to leave a donation to us, you absolutely could. Anywhere from a dollar to $10 a month to show that you support the Right Way Sports Network and future podcasts. But with that being said, guys, we have a lot to talk about. That being said, uh, let's get it started. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get it started with the talk of, I would say, the weekend. That is the recap of UFC 249. Um, it was kind of weird, right? It was kind of weird to start start off because we're talking about a UFC event that didn't take place with any fans in the arena. So usually you, you heard literally every punch, every kick, every smack. You know, everything, all the breathing, heavy breathing. I, I think people kind of got to realize what type of gladiators these guys are in the UFC. I, it, although it was weird to not hear the fans cheering and, oh, oh, my God. And certainly there were some fights that definitely deserved that. I, I, I definitely think that by, you know, the UFC not having fans in the arena, I, I think the true hardcore MMA fans had a greater appreciation for UFC 249. So with that being said, Daniel, I'm going to start talking with you. What did you take away from UFC 249? Not just the fights, just from the overall uh, presence. I mean, this is the first real sport, sport, sports event that we've had since everything was shut down. What was your overall takeaways from UFC 249? Um, I mean, first off, I just want to talk about my favorite part of the entire event was definitely Greg Hardy. Um, he he went into detail. He was like, oh, you can hear the announcers in or in between rounds telling me what I need to work on. And he's like, that is literally what helped him win his match. So I, I just, I took that away. I was like, damn. So maybe if there's no fans, it makes, it makes it a little bit more easier for the fighters to communicate with their side, communicate with their teams. But I mean, it was just, it was entertaining. It was a lot more personal, if you ask me, because 
you can literally hear their team members telling them, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. And like you said, you can hear every damn punch. And for me, I, that, that made me feel like I was one of the fans in the arena. That made me feel like I was right by side these fighters. And it was just, it was entertaining for me. Right. Miss Alexis, what did you take away from UFC 249? Um, most of the same things for me. I mean, I felt like it was just such a different way of seeing the sport because right. it's a totally different element when you add the fans and it's louder and it's more of a pumped up environment that you're getting to experience. And even though you're watching it, if you are watching it with TV, it's a little bit different to watch it with no fans because you don't have those people in the background that are yelling and screaming and just, you know, doing all the food and hollering. And it makes you actually pay attention and focus on the fight where so, most of the yeah. time you're, like, listening to the sound effects in the background. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, usually you hear the, oh, oh, my God, he kicked him. But, you know, I, I guess this is a hats off, a kudos to Dana White and the UFC for sticking to their guns. I know they received a lot of heat going, going forward with the event, especially from boxing promotions, especially guys like Oscar De La Hoya, Showtime pay-per-view. Oh. They were coming down on them hard mm-hmm. saying, this is selfish. You know, you, you're, you're raising, you know, players, uh, fighters can, you're, they're risking their lives. They, they could have the opportunity to come down with the coronavirus and, you know. There was one fighter um, who did come come down with the coronavirus, and they were able to immediately remove him uh, from from the uh, location and everything like that, and get him in quarantine. Uh, so I, I guess that was a hats off to the UFC um, for reacting pretty fast on that. But with that being said, let's talk about the actual news of UFC 249. We saw Tony Ferguson. I mean, there were there were there was a it was a great card. To start that off. It was a great card. But we saw Tony Ferguson. Uh, Take his first loss in a couple of years to a guy in Justin Gaethje who took this fight short notice. Uh, he didn't have the full training camp necessarily to prepare for this fight, but he made the most out of it. And when I say he absolutely outclassed Tony Ferguson, he absolutely outclassed Tony Ferguson. I mean, broken orbitable bone, orbitable bone, orbital bone. <laughs> Having a hard time with my words tonight. Um, tough word, tough word. Right, tough word, right? Uh, so he had a hard time. He much like I had a hard time pronouncing that. He had a hard time with Justin Gaethje. I mean, the guy was getting kicked, punched in his face, thrown to the floor. I mean, you name it. It, it was just an absolutely uh, beat, absolute beat down. And it, it now brings a lot of people to question. You got to feel for a guy like Tony Ferguson, right? Tony Ferguson, he has been through the ringer these past few years. I mean, been named the interim lightweight champion. Tore his ACL, lost the belt, but didn't actually lose the belt. Um, and he, he gets, he gets, you know, he he's out of the title picture again. Essentially, he's out of the title picture again. He's not getting any older. He he's not any younger. He's 36 years old. Uh, by the time, relatively, he's looking at a, a, a title shot again. The guy will probably be almost 40 years old because he has to work his way back up to that. So I, I think it sucks for a guy like Tony Ferguson. But it was great. It was a great fight for the fans. Um, Alexis, what do you think? I think it was an overall great fight. It was entertaining, um, and it was definitely. I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was a great fight. It was. It was one sided, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was. It was like I mean. Yeah, can I jump in real quick? Good to have sports back for a while. Right, 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 right. I mean, um. For me personally, what I took from the fight was definitely Ferguson's toughness. I mean, you saw he was getting obliterated. I mean, right. I think it was after the fight, Gaethje said that, oh, anybody else would have been out of that fight. But anybody else would have been knocked out. They would have called it. 
but Ferguson held in there, and that just shows that even though he got dominated, that just shows his toughness. And, I mean, you, you got to give him some credit for that. He was taking punch after punch after punch. It was, it was, not, it was not a pretty fight for him. Right, right, right. I mean, I, even the last fight where, where, where they, uh, the last punch of the night where they stopped the fight on, you saw him break Tony Ferguson's nose, and you literally heard the crack. I was like, oh my god, this I, you got to feel for a guy like Tony. So I guess the next question is, right? Everybody wants to know what happens from here. Well, ideally, it looks like Tony Ferguson is going to need to heal up, obviously, and then it's going to be Justin Gaethje, the interim lightweight champion, and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, from the latest rumblings, it looks like it's going to take place in Ju- July or June. Um, the interesting thing about that is, though, Conor McGregor, right? I'm sure a, a name that all of you are familiar with. Conor McGregor is now trying to insert himself into the title picture, saying, you know, he'll beat this guy, he'll beat this guy. But the fact of the matter is, Conor McGregor has one win at the lightweight division, and he hasn't had a viable win against a viable opponent since 2016. So that being said, there are a lot of questions that are raised right now for a guy like Conor McGregor. Does Conor McGregor even deserve the opportunity to fight for the lightweight championship, let alone a rematch against Khabib Nurmagomedov, the undefeated one? So with that being said, let me ask you this question. Let me pose this question to you guys. And uh, I guess I'll start with Daniel. Daniel, do you think Conor McGregor deserves an opportunity to uh, fight for the lightweight championship, let alone fight against Khabib? And if so, why? I mean, we're we're gonna see this on different sides, obviously, because I'm a huge McGregor fan. I mean, whether whether you agree with his antics after the fights, if you agree with what he does off the off the floor, I don't really care. I mean, he's entertaining, he's fun, and I I, I think he deserves a chance. It's entertainment, and you're telling me if Conor McGregor is in the ring, you wouldn't want to see that fight. I think he deserves a chance. But why does he deserve a chance? I mean, I. <laughs> I mean, I mean, other than because you're not wrong, he is interesting to watch. I mean, yeah. in the ring, outside of the ring, he's a character in the way that you put it. But mm-hmm. I don't know if he really deserves that chance. Why? Why does he not? Well, here's uh, can I, I'll, I'll jump in. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll say that. And guys, feel free to join the conversation. The question we're asking right now is: Does Conor McGregor deserve an opportunity? to fight for the lightweight championship. Join in on the conversation. The call-in number is 516-418-5740. Again, 516-418-5740. But getting back to my point, uh, the reason why he doesn't deserve the title shot is because, once again, like back to what I said, Conor McGregor hasn't had a viable win in that division since 2016. Yes, he came back and beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone, but Donald Cowboy Cerrone was on a two-fight lose streak where he lost by knockout. (laughs) Um, And that was a welterweight fight. That wasn't a lightweight title fight. Um, Conor McGregor never defended the lightweight championship when he did beat Eddie Alvarez in 2016 to, you know, get the belt. He left for two years, fought Floyd Mayweather, came back, fought Khabib, lost. Boom. He does not deserve the fight because so, – so the way I look at it, the way I look at Conor McGregor, I don't think Conor McGregor has put himself in a position to demand anything. Yes, he's box office. Yes, he's the most entertaining, but that means jack shit, to be honest with you. It means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing to me. Listen, you could be the most entertaining person and still get your ass kicked on a daily basis. That's absolutely fine. If you want to be a punching bag, if you want to be a walking, talking punching bag, you can. But to me, if we're talking about who deserves a title fight, a guy like Justin Gaethje deserves a title fight. A guy like even Tony Ferguson, even in loss, deserves a title fight because the fact of the matter is Tony Ferguson has been busting his ass for the past three years, unbeaten, might I add, 
has been the interim lightweight champion, exactly what Justin Gaethje is right now, but due to injury, he had to succumb and, and give the belt up. The guy hasn't lost. So if you ask me, I think it should be Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, before we see Conor McGregor step in the ring. You can walk the walk, then you can talk the talk. The fact of the matter is, as of lately, Conor McGregor has been doing more talking than walking, which is why he turned down several big fights, and he took an easier fight in Donald Cowboy Cerrone. So hopefully that answers your question, Daniel, as to why your guy, Conor McGregor, does not deserve a title fight. And I'll debate anybody on that. The track record speaks for itself. The guy has never defended any belt that he's earned um, since he's been in the UFC. He won the featherweight championship, never defended it. He went up in a weight class. Fought for, the, fought for the lightweight championship, didn't defend it, left for two years, came back, lost. It's a repeat cycle with this guy. He doesn't defend his belt. To me, I'm the, I go by the old boxing rule of you're not champion until you defend your belt at least once. That's a real saying in combat sport. You're not the champion until you defend your belt at least once. It's one thing to win the belt. It's one thing to claim the throne. It's another thing to defend the throne, which is why I came back to the Right Way Podcast to defend the mm. throne. That being said, guys, let's talk about another return, right? We spent enough time talking about UFC 249, and we could debate about this all day. It really comes down to a matter of opinion, right? But yeah. Mike Tyson, for instance, this is a guy at 53 years old who's talking about making an in-ring return. That has caught the sports world by the jugular vein, so to speak. Everybody is at a standstill. Everybody is in awe. Everybody's trying to figure out, is this a hoax? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's not a hoax. Mike Tyson is actually preparing at 53 years old to come back and fight. Before we even talk about the prospects of him potentially fighting this person or that person or potentially fighting anyone, let me get your overall opinion, Alexis. How do you feel about Mike Tyson at 53 years old stepping back into a boxing ring? I think it's legendary if he were to do it. Um, I feel like it also comes with a little bit of risk, but hey, it's Mike Tyson, so you know, it would be interesting to see one of the greats step back in the ring at an age of 53. Like, who's done that before, you know? So, I don't know. I feel like it would be very interesting to see. Daniel, what do you think? I mean, I don't really give a damn how old he is. You saw in those videos. Like, I mean, if you watch the video of him training, I don't know who you can find who would be willing to go in a ring and be confident. And going against him. I mean, look at the NFL. We know Tom Brady's about 43 years old, but he's still the GOAT. He's still doing what he does. He, whether people like it or not, he hasn't fallen off a cliff yet. And I mean, if you look at Mike Tyson in those videos, I don't care if he's 53. He looks 43. He looks 33. And I don't know anybody that would want to face him in a ring. I, I love it. Like Alexa said, it's definitely legendary. It's legendary, um, and it's just it's just looking at his training videos too. I mean, it looks like he hasn't missed a day in the ring, so mm. I think it would be dope I, to kind of see it. I, you said anybody would be willing to step foot in the ring with him. I think anybody inside the top ten in boxing would be willing to step foot in the ring with Mike Tyson, a fifty-three year old at this age, and get uh, and claim a victory over Mike Tyson on your resume. Let's not forget Mike Tyson looked absolutely terrible on his way out of boxing. He was getting knocked out on his way out of boxing. Now, there's a reason why he retired. There was a reason why he retired. Listen, I understand it. If I take my dad and I put him in a boxing ring, my dad is almost six years old. If I take him and I put him into a boxing ring and I have him start hitting pads, he'll probably think that, hey, I could fight again too. I, I, I feel good. I could probably hang with some of the young guys nowadays too. The fact of the matter is combat sports, MMA, boxing is a young man's game. 
So mm-hmm. it's one thing for a guy like Floyd Mayweather to jump back into the boxing ring, right, who provides himself on defense. There's another thing for a guy like Mike Tyson, who throughout his entire boxing career has never been good at going past the fifth round, has always struggled. He's made a living off of knocking someone out. So you mean to tell me if Mike Tyson at 53 years old, where we're, we, he is obviously going to have a loss in cardio, a loss in stamina, if he gets back in there and he goes to try to box somebody who's 25 years old or maybe 30 years old, a guy like Deontay Wilder, or maybe a Tyson Fury, or maybe, you know, the, the list goes on. On any of the Andy Ruiz, it could be anyone. If he steps back into the boxing ring against one of these guys, I'm not confident Mike Tyson walks out on anything but a stretcher, to be quite honest with you. There's a reason why he retired back when he did. Listen, anybody can hit pads. The thing is, pads don't hit back. Humans do. So if Mike Tyson jumps back into the boxing ring, I don't favor Mike Tyson. As bad as he was, I think he should just go out the way he did in terms of, you know, being known as the baddest man on the planet for his era and leave it at that. Because at the end of the day, when Mike Tyson was on his way out of the boxing uh, game, he was becoming a, a target. And a lot of people were just making a mockery of him. They were just beating him up with ease. And I don't see how 15 years later you make a return and it isn't the same unless you're boxing someone your age, to be quite honest with you. But that's just my take. Does anybody want to debate me on that? Does anybody have a difference of opinion on that? I mean, you you obviously know more about boxing, but I think, like I said about Conor McGregor, I think it'd just be entertaining. I mean, you like if we have him step in the ring against, like you said, a 25-year-old, imagine what would happen if he were to knock them out. Like, I mean, then if he can go out, let's say he fights two fights, wins both those fights, then he's done with his career. I think that would add so much more to his legacy for him to come back 15 years later and still be just as good as he was. But like you said, he went out not on the right foot, so it could potentially end bad for him. Hmm. I, 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 yeah, I just don't see anything interesting about a 53-year-old man uh, walking out to the, to the ranks to potentially his death. Um, I, I think, yeah, yeah, sure, the entrance, the entrance to the ring would be nice, but anything after that would be probably just brutal to see, and then we'll all be like, okay, it's 2020. Why are we watching Mike Tyson main eventing a boxing card? That's really what it would come down to, for me at least. Alexis, do you have a take on that? I think that it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Um, in terms of it being a good thing, like Daniel said, it would be cool to kind of get him back out there to see if he can take on these younger guys and redeem himself. And let's say he does fight one fight, two fights, three fights, whatever that case is, and he wins those fights, and he's like, all right, now I'm done. It's kind of like, all right, cool, the redemption for the way that he went out before. However, I think it's a little risky because of his age. Granted, he's in great shape, not knocking that at all, but he's at a very vulnerable age where it's just like you get hit in the face one time, um, you might have, like, brain damage or something. It's it's risky. So I don't know. Like, it has, a, it has a good size, it has a bad size, but it all depends on what he really decides to do. I, I think it's it's almost like, it's just like, damn if you do, damn if you don't, in a sense, because you're, in a sense, you're you're walking out on so much money, and, but in the in in good sense, you, you can probably make a lot of money um, doing doing so, and obviously, you get your name back in the lights, and who who doesn't want box office? And Mike Mike Tyson definitely sells. I just think that is just a, too big of a, of a chance, too big of a risk uh, for him. But guys, once again, the call in number if you guys want to talk about anything sports, answer any of your questions five one six four one eight five seven four zero. Again five one six four one eight five seven four zero. We're answering all your questions. 
whether it's on topic or slightly off topic, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, that being said, so somebody posed something to me very interesting this week, Alexis. I really want to get your take on this, and Daniel too as well. Um, they said we were, we were talking about the GOAT debate, right? The LeBron James, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan talk. And we're going to get into that debate a little later. But the point the person brought up to me, they said, you know, in no other league, in no other sport does the GOAT get this much intrigue of that of like a, of a LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, where I suppose to football, Tom Brady is looked at as the undisputed greatest quarterback of all time. And what I said to them was, I said it goes down to, it goes to like basically football is much more of a team game. You know, owners own the NFL. They own the league. That's why these CBA agreements are so intense and stuff like that, because players are trying to leverage and get to where NBA players are, essentially. Right? They're trying to have more say in where they go and more cat contracts and be able to kind of dictate where their career goes. That's kind of like what Antonio Brown was doing when he wanted to jockey himself out of uh, – he was jockeying for a position to get out of Pittsburgh. He was acting almost like, a, like an NBA player, essentially, trying to force his way out and pick and choose where he wanted to go. He nicks the deal to Buffalo and stuff like that. But I, I said it goes down to just the amount of control that, you know, each, each uh, you know, league kind of like each like, like the players have over their league. When it comes to the NFL, the players don't have as much control as people think they do. They really don't. NBA, they really do. It's a players, it's a players run league. Um, so with that being said, you, you look at it like players in the NBA, they're able to get their own endorsements and, you know, get all these little side endorsements. You even see it in a 2K game versus like a, a Madden game where you're playing like a franchise mode. You get so much freedom. You get to sign with Gatorade, Nike, Nike Beats, all this stuff like that in 2K. Madden, you just pretty much just sign with the team and you're, you're, you're a player. That's it. There's no added benefit. No added. I, I hate to put it that way. I hate to sound like it's a, like a, like it's a jail, but essentially that's what it is, what it is in terms of like control wise. Like, so the GOAT debate is much easier to, uh, it's much easier to go more in depth with the NBA. Uh, we're like a Le- LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Because it's much more of a you have an immediate impact on your team, whereas the football it's a team game, right? You can't you could say Tom Brady's the goat, but then people will add, hey, he had this team, that team, and this team, and that team, you know, around him, or and, and so on and so forth. So, I, what do you guys take on that? I, I don't know if I explained that correctly, or if I what, or if I or if I said it clearly, but like, what what is your what do you guys take on that in terms of do you think that the go the quote unquote uh, players in the NBA have more of a voice than players in the NFL. Essentially, I think that the players in the NBA they have the the players in the NFL have a voice as do the players in the NBA. But I think that the players in the NBA exercise their voice more so than those in the NFL um, because if you look at it, a lot of the NBA players they kind of seem to be on one accord with what they want, what they will accept, what they won't accept. But I feel like there's a lot of differences in the NFL um, because there's so many of them. So I think it's I think it's harder for them, I guess, to come to terms and use their voice in a in the way that the NBA does, if that makes sense. But, no, it, it does. But essentially, I think they both have voices. I just think that 
the NBA is allowed to exercise them a little bit more because once again, they have so much control over their league, which is why like, you know, certain things like, think about it. You, you go right down to the players. Have, for some reason, players started having an issue with NBA, NBA owners being called NBA owners. So now they're called governors. They're called governors. Not a lot of people know that, but they're called the board of governors. Now they're not in, they're not owners of their team in the NFL. They're still called owners. Like, so it, it, it's just like, it just seems like if players voice concern, uh, vo- voice concerns in the NBA, it seems like the league is ready to act more uh, with, uh, uh, you know, e- with immediate uh, action, so to speak, versus just letting things uh, fester and problems kind of escalate. I feel like the NFL is much more likely to phase players out if they rile or if they rile up or they, or they act or they bring up too much, uh, too much, uh, what do you call it? Um, if they, if, you know, if they're too controversial, if they're too much, if they're, yeah, yeah we're thinking alike. Say that. Where if you're, if their <laughs> players are too controversial, they're easy, to, they're easier to phase out versus something like an NBA. And guys, we actually have a caller calling in right now, so I want to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if it's gonna go through. Thank you for calling into the Right Way Podcast. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with? Thomas. Thomas, how's it going? Good. Good. Um. I have a quick question. Sure, Thomas, where are you from? New York. New York, New York, okay. Um, I wanted to know about the decision by Joe Burrow to sign with the PFL. I'm sorry, say that again? Did you hear about the news with Joe Burrow today? No, I did not. He said he wants to sign with the PFL. No, he didn't. But we appreciate you calling in. Uh, anyway, back to what we were saying. <laughs> oh my God! That's what happens, yeah. guys, when you call into the show and you you want to be a, you want to make jokes. I'll joke with you. <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, um, can I add something to the what were we discussing? The NBA, NFL. I think um, part of it, it, this may be an interesting take, but I think personally in the NFL, you know, you're wearing a helmet. I think Mm -hmm. in the NBA, you're on the court, you're center stage. You have much more, uh, you have a much more personal connection with the actual fans. And I think like when you look at a guy like LeBron James versus a guy like a, a Patrick Mahomes, LeBron James is a much more influential, or let's, LeBron James, let's use a different player, even Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a much more influential player in the actual NBA than, let's say, Drew Brees is in the NFL. And I think part of that has to do with when they're off the court, Kevin Durant attracts far more attention than a Drew Brees does because whether you like to admit it or not, these guys are behind pads, these guys are behind helmets, you're not as personal. There's uh, 22 other guys on the field with them, 21 other guys on the field, whereas in the NBA you have only 10 guys on the court. And it, mm-hmm. it may be a weird um, comparison, but I think that's why, because it's a much, much more personal connection with the fans. Okay. Oh, I, I can agree with that. What do you think, Alexis? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good point um, that people know the NBA players more, like, because you do, you're, you are more exposed to their faces and things like that. But I think, I feel like, the NBA, like I said, they just use their voices in a different way, where the NFL is yeah. not as vocal. The NBA right. speaks out a lot more about everything, 
uh, whether it be in advertising, community issues, if they're doing outreach and stuff like that. You see it in the NBA, but it's not as prominent. So, of course, I feel like the, um, the NBA expresses and has more control over their league because their players are more vocal. Whereas the NFL, you don't really see that. And even though they are behind the helmets and things like that, they still have that voice. I just think that right. it's there. Um, I think I mean, that they uh, can essentially have the power to do that. They just don't. I think it's going back to the point Malik was saying. It's more like in the NFL, if someone were to speak out, they it's far more likely that the owners would be able to like shoo them aside because there's far more of them. But whereas the NBA exactly. is like it's much more important. Like let's say a Devin Booker speaks out, it's far more important than let's say a second string wide receiver. Even though Devin right. Booker isn't the best player on, he's on a far lesser known team, but he still has a huge voice because of his presence and because like I said he's one of the five guys on the court whereas in the NFL you can just shoo him aside and say oh you're just another player we have 52 other guys on a roster right, right. here's but another I also here's... feel like go ahead no no you go ahead you go ahead don't want to interrupt you <laughs> I also feel like in the NBA when if that is something where they like they're speaking up about something they're the type they because they're so I, I don't know if it's because they're so little of them or because of the nature of their sport, they tend to band together. So if one person says something, there's someone there that's, that's going to back them up. Well, I feel like the NFL is not built like that. So the NFL, someone will say something, and everybody's like, mm, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't feel that way. And they just kind of throw him out, like throw him <laughs> right, out of the right, right. leave him out there to get yeah. nice. So like, the owners, of course, would be like, well, you're a problem. We don't need you. And that, right. that's why it happens. I feel like the I'm... NFL doesn't come together as much. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw. A, I'm gonna throw a, a little uh, hat, a little chickaroonie at you guys right now. Could it be because the NBA has a greater presence in terms of internationally than the NFL, whereas to the NFL solely relies on, for, for the most part, I want to say for probably ninety-five percent of the players in their league are from America, if not more. <laughs> um. They, the NFL relies solely on the college game, you know, to, you know, that's how they get more players into the league through the draft, right? They draft players, players get drafted to the team. Whereas to the NBA, the NBA has so many different means to get players into their league. You know what I mean? So if they speak out, they don't have to worry about necessarily um, who it might offend, what a sponsorship it might offend because their, their presence worldwide is just on a whole different level. You see guys like Nikola Jokic and, and Christoph Porzingis and um, well, well, Luka Doncic. Like the, these guys, so a lot of these guys are coming from overseas have been training to play in the NBA since they were kids. You know, they were absolutely they were going to camps, going to different sure. things of that nature. So they don't have to really rely. The, the NBA doesn't really have to rely, so to speak, on colleges essentially to get their players into league now i know that's kind of like that's like far-fetched and it's a conversation for another day but essentially it all ties back into players using their voices and kind of why the goat debate uh essentially happens and and, and the reason why the goat debate happens is because it is a, a player-driven league right it is a player-driven league it, basketball mm-hmm. has much more of an immediate impact on your team by assigning which is why uh, you know there are helicopters following a guy like Kawhi Leonard around trying to figure out what team he's going to sign with or when LeBron James, they make a whole TV special out of it um, and then the decision because they know when this guy goes to this team, 
he's going to make an immediate impact, and you could kind of shoot them already in for the NBA playoffs, so on and so forth. It's just they have just have a greater voice, I think. But staying with the NBA, um, we talked about it last week. We didn't get a chance to really dive too too deep into it, but I'm gonna let Alexis kick this off. Alexis, the Michael yes. Jordan versus LeBron James debate. I'm not gonna ask you who you think is the goat. You can definitely tell us. What I am going to ask you is, is it real? Is it a real debate? And, yes, I know people talk about it 24-7. Let me ask you let – me, let, me, let, me, let me break it down what I mean. Is it real? Is it warranted? Is it warranted? Does it really I, matter? <laughs> and even if, I, even if we have all the stats to back it up, does it even make sense at the end of the day? Personally, can say that this debate to me is – I don't I don't personally like this debate. I get why it happens because mm-hmm. you have the greats of the game. And of course you're right. always gonna have greats of the game because people are gonna be like, Well, who did it better? Who does this right. better? you know? It's inevitable, right. it's gonna happen. However, in terms of this debate, I don't think that it's one, a fair debate and two, a debate that is even that just should matter really at this mm-hmm. point. And I feel like that because when we talk about MJ and we talk about LeBron, everyone kind of brings into context. It's like, hey, like we never, we're never going to get to see them play together. Like, let's just put it out there, flat, say it out loud. We're never going to really get to know who's who's the better player, who would win in a one-on-one, because we don't get, to, we're not going to get to see that matchup. And another thing is that we're talking about two totally different generations of players. So. This is the one thing that bothers me about the debate where it's like nobody considers that factor. Two different generations that we're talking about. So I feel like the debate, I get why it happens. It's going to happen, but I feel like it's irrelevant because we're talking about right. two totally different generations. Where you have MJ who did a lot of this stuff first. So, of course, people are going to want to compare LeBron to MJ who did it better. It doesn't, I mean, MJ did it first. So, of course, there's always going to be a comparison between him and somebody else about who right. did what better, who does it better, who did more, who does more. But we're talking about two different generations, in my opinion. That's how I see it. I feel like, I mean, I personally do not like this debate because for that one simple fact, we're talking about two totally different generations here. Is it fair to compare them, you know? Generationally, is it fair? Because you think about it, NBA's generation is the type of players that he was, play, that he was playing with. They're different. These kids that are mm-hmm. playing now, I don't even know if I can call them kids. They're, they're kids. The kids that are playing now, they're built entirely different than what we got to see back in the day when MJ was playing with the, the likes of Scotty Pippen and other players of that caliber. So I think it's just a – I hate this debate, personally. <laughs> Daniel. What are, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I completely agree. I think the most unfair thing is when – People can, or they can, like they rule out the the new age guys. They rule out the new era guys and say, "Oh, they're soft. They're not good enough. They couldn't hang with Pippen. They couldn't hang with Jordan." It's like that's completely unfair. Like like you said, these guys are built different, and it, we'll never be able to know. That is why going back to the goat debate, it's it's so hard to compare two different guys from two completely different eras. I've said this multiple times. You can compare the Magics, the Jordans. You can compare the, the LeBrons, the Kevin Durants, the Steph Currys, the Kyrie Irvings. 
but you can't really compare them unless if you've seen them play against each other. I completely, that's my point of view. And it's just unfair when you say, oh, they can't hang with the 90s guys or the 90s guys can't hang with them now. It's like, we'll never be able to know. And that's the bottom line. You can compare from the same eras, but when they're from different eras, I think it's completely unfair. Yeah, I think it's very difficult to to, to compare eras. Um, I, I get it, right? You know, we, we talk about the, the, the GOAT debate and – you know, they, it comes down to you want to say, you know, LeBron could never survive in the 90s. And I'm just like, how? How can you say that? The guy is a physical specimen. He's probably going to be, if not bigger, just as big, faster, stronger than a lot of those guys in the 90s. I see LeBron dominating in the 90s. Sure, he would probably get beaten up a lot of the time, you know. But I, I, I see LeBron dominating in the 90s the same way he dominated um, in his era if not more, to be quite honest with you, because the, the athletes mm-hmm. that he would be playing in the 90s, night, night in and night out, <laughs> drastically different from the, night, the athletes he's playing in his era right now. We're talking about guys that don't walk around with six-packs, guys with beer bellies. I mean, I, I, listen, that's just my take. And that's not every player in the 90s, okay? So I don't want to be disrespectful to, to the guys in the 90s. But I feel like a lot of our parents' generation, they, they make it out to be like it's, some some mystique about the 90s oh the the yeah. 90s were so amazing the 90s were so great it was so hard like michael jordan wasn't the biggest michael jordan wasn't the fastest michael jordan was probably the most skilled not probably he was the most mm-hmm. skilled that's what it was He's the most right skilled. it's a difference yeah. between being the first to do something and then being the best i ask everybody this question when we have the jordan versus the lebron debate i say hey so if you're the owner of a franchise you're the owner of a team, or I'm sorry, governor of a team, and you have the opportunity to start up with any player. We're not talking about any surrounding cast around them just yet. You could start up with LeBron or Michael Jordan. Who are you starting with? The answer I get 98% of the time is LeBron James. And I say, okay, why? Because he's a physical specimen. Teams, Super teams have mm-hmm. come together, like we talked about last week. Super teams have come together to stop him because he is that. Now, don't get me wrong. Michael Jordan was a great scorer. But you cannot tell me Michael Jordan was an overall better player than LeBron. Every, every time we look up, every year, year in and out, year out, year in and year out, LeBron's breaking or surpassing Michael Jordan in some way, some stat. It's just a fact of the matter. It's, it is. Every, every time we look up, we see a stat where Michael Jordan, LeBron James, every year is passing Michael Jordan. The only stat and the biggest stat and the only reason why people have that claim to fame over um, why Michael Jordan has that claim to fame over Michael uh, over LeBron James is because he has more rings than him. Let's not make it complicated, guys. The reason why people can say yeah. confidently LeBron James isn't better than Michael Jordan is because Michael Jordan has more rings than LeBron. But if LeBron tied him for the amount of rings at six or got more at seven, that debate would evaporate. The same way the Joe Montana versus Tom Brady debate evaporated. But if you look at it, I Joe mean, Montana's statistics were better looking than Tom Brady. They were. But the longer you play the game, the longer you have, the more opportunities you have to play catch up, and you catch up to those people that you looked up to. It's about longevity, right? So if LeBron James keeps playing basketball, let's say for the next six years, he's going to pass Jordan in a lot of records. He has the opportunity to tie Jordan potentially with uh, with with the uh, with the uh, with with the amount of rings. But guys, we have a caller calling in. I'm sure they probably want to talk some of this debate. So let me get to it. 
thank you for calling into the Right Way Podcast. Uh, please let, tell us your name and where you're from. Hey, Malik, it's Max. How are you guys doing? Hey, I'm good, Max. How you doing, I'm man? I'm doing, Max. I'm good. Good. I just wanted to weigh in because I've been listening a little bit in this debate. So sure, sure, here's sure. my Appreciate take that. on it. Um, yeah. I personally think that there's not much of a debate. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because the closest thing you're ever going to see to Jordan is Kobe. Um, that's just given their play style, their size, uh, the, the way that they approach the game, you know, their mentality, their competitiveness. Um, that's the only debate, right? Like, okay, five versus six, who's the better scorer? Who's the better defender? That's the debate. But the thing between right. LeBron and Jordan is obviously it's the two best players of, our, of the respective eras, and I understand that. But if you want to go solely on accolades, you go with Jordan. That's undisputable, like you mentioned, with the point of the six ring. Right. But the reason why I would argue LeBron is because – and you can call it recency bias, but mm-hmm. here – By I the way, I two, agree with you, Matt. Two, to two seasons. Yeah. yeah. I point to two seasons, and it's specifically – the 07 season and the 2018 season. And why do I pinpoint those two seasons? Because LeBron led a pretty mediocre Cleveland Cavaliers team, which the second best player was who? Eric Snow, Zydrunas Olgowskis, people that we won't even remember in 20 years, right? To the NBA Finals, they had the league's best 67-15 and 15 record. He led them to the NBA Finals single-handedly. Did they get beats by the Spurs? Absolutely. The Spurs were are a much better run team, had much better players, right? They got swept. But the fact mm-hmm. that he managed single-handedly to take that team, that poor organ, poorly run organization with virtually no supporting cast and managed to take them to the finals is insane. Then comes, you know, post-Miami, second time around in Cleveland. He already won the championship. Obviously, that was legendary against the Warriors. But here's the thing, right? Then goes 2018, they lose Kyrie to Boston. They trade him. Then Isaiah Thomas never really pans out. Sure, they have Kevin Love, but they have who? George Hill starting at point guard. (laughs) J.R. Smith at shooting guard. I mean, it was awful, right? Uh Right, exactly, exactly. And then they go into Toronto, who had the best record in the league. Maybe not in the league, I'm sorry. I think definitely Eastern Conference. And And mind you, Toronto... Much better team on paper with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry yeah. and those guys. Right. He goes in and he's mm-hmm. game winners, single-handedly carries them to the finals once again. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, but then you could argue, but, you know, he has a better team than 07. Look at the competition. Right. Look at the competition. And then, yes, did, did he get swept by the Warriors? Absolutely. I mean, who, is, who, who didn't expect that, right? Kevin Durant and all those guys. But Right. It's just Super the team. fact that he managed to take those two teams to the finals, mm-hmm. regardless of the, of the coaching situation, regardless of the supporting cast, mm-hmm. is something that you just – it's just you can't compare it. You cannot compare it. So that's I agree why, with that's, you. That's, that's, those are the, that's, it, yeah, that's my – And favorite. I have one response to that before because I know Daniel wants to jump in. I have one mm, response absolutely. to that. To that, Jordan could never. Jordan would never. Jordan would never take – that Cavaliers team, as far as LeBron did, he wouldn't. People want to talk about Jordan all the time, and I once again, I'm not here to discredit Jordan, but we're putting this man like like one of my buddies said the other day. You know what he was playing? They called him Black Jesus. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> calm down there. I said, listen, 
we can sit up here and act like, you know, Jordan did this by himself. Listen, I, I pity the fool who falls for that. He didn't. As this documentary is showing you, yes, he had an amazing mentality. Yes, he was a competitor. Maybe he's mentally he was better than LeBron in terms of night in, night out, uh, fighting hard. But no, I'm not going to sit up here and say that Michael Jordan, you know, Mike, Michael Jordan uh, could do the same things that LeBron did. I'm absolutely not going to say that. It's not true. It's not possible. He's not a physical specimen. People like to make it seem like he did. He had Scottie Pippen. He had uh, Dennis Rodman. He had players around him. We saw LeBron literally make it to seven finals back to back to back, like the Drake song. We saw him do it. We saw LeBron literally do it. He didn't always win. Hence is why he has – what was LeBron had? Three rings? Hence yeah. why he has three rings. Yes, three rings. Yeah. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't, think he's get, I don't think he's been given a fair shake. Guys, we actually have another caller calling in that I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Before, Daniel, I know you want to jump in, and I know this is your thing. Yeah. I just want to get to this caller. For Thank sure. you for calling in to the Right Way podcast live on Locks Talk Radio. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with? Oh, good. I made it. Whew. Uh, this is Louis from, Louis from Jersey. I know the clock was uh, ticking down, so I wanted to get in before um, time was up. No, don't worry, okay. my man. Well, I know, that, I know the big story that you were carrying was uh, Tyson returning to the ring. All I can say is, is he nuts? He's 120 years old. I mean, there's no, there, there is no way that he can keep up, you know. You know this is not the Mike Tyson of, say, uh, 25 years ago. Thank I mean, you. What is, he, what is he thinking? What is he thinking? Right. I mean, I've seen I've seen Tyson in his glory days, you know, knocking out fires with just one or two punches. If you blink, right. you missed it. And then along came Buster Douglas in 1990, and then the mighty invincible Tyson was no more. And he hasn't been the right. same since. I mean, he hasn't put on gloves now uh, 20 15 years. 15 years. I mean, how many years? 30? 15. 15, I believe. 15. 15. Well, still, uh, still at 38 at that time, still pretty open for boxing standards. I mean, right. You know, I saw Ali last fight. He was about 40. He was beat up, banged up. And I'm like, I can't even watch this. It's, it, it was humiliating. Right. You know, and when I got the cover of Sports Illustrated, when I went on the cover with his last hurrah fight, I'm like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. Right, I right, mean, right. So so you so you actually saw t- uh, Ali's last fight, you're saying? Well, not live, of course. I mean, I was only 10, but I did see it right. on ABC. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. So, like, you, you agree with us, essentially. Like, you know, boxing Absolutely. is a young man's game. You know, I, I think that yes. uh, I, it's sort of like we were saying earlier. I think Michael – I think Mike um, – sorry, Mike Tyson should go out on his sword, so to speak. I think he should just go – he should he should be remembered for what he was at his era, for his time. Yeah. He was the baddest man on the planet. Why why hurt your legacy more by jumping back in there? Because you can't hang with some – I don't care how – you know, untalented some of these boxers are, or how how many one trick ponies like a Deontay Wilder might be with that right hand. I don't think it's a safe idea for him to jump back into the boxing ring with any no. of these young fighters. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it, as much as I even love a guy like Floyd Mayweather, I think it's crazy that Floyd Mayweather was even talking about making a return to actually box real boxers again. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a young man's game. You have to play your cards right. You want to be able to, it's like, you know, it's a game of long, it's, it's not a game of longevity, it's about, it's about getting in, making your money, and getting out. That's what it's about. That's what Floyd Mayweather always preached. So, to well, me, it's just kind of crazy to see. Yeah. Or I could set up in two words. Yeah? Suicide mission. I, I, I would agree with you. It could be a suicide mission. And for, especially for a guy like Mike Tyson. Yeah. 
I, you know, especially a guy like Mike Tyson at 53 years old, I think it's just, I think it's just a, 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 um, a, a nightmare. I think it's a nightmare for him. When I read in the article on ESPN, um, ESPN.com, like, is this a joke? Right. He's a dinosaur as far as boxing is concerned, and, you know, he's going to fight. I'm like, what? I mean, when yeah. I was doing my show last week, because I do, I do a show on um, over the internet, I was like, I have this, I have, because I have this feature called the Ridiculous Iron of the Week, and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is just too good to pass up. This has got, this has <laughs> got to top the Ridiculous Iron of the Week. I'm like, nobody believed I was saying this at first, but like, um, you know, they all, they all thought, like, this, this is real. Right. And like, you right, know, I right, right. on everybody. Right, right. Louie, uh, thank you so much for calling into the show, though, my man. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you supporting the Right Way uh, podcast, my man. I hope you tune in for future op- episodes. Well, I do try to chime in, but uh, yeah, when I kind of get there, it's like uh, I think I'm just a second too late. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, my man. We greatly appreciate By the way, your support, I, like man. I said, I do have a show of my own on Saturdays, uh, 5 o'clock uh, East Coast time. It's called okay. the, Enhanced, the Enhanced Sports Show. Uh, the number to call is 512-543-4662. We handle everything in the world of sports. Well, almost everything. So, yeah, <laughs> chance. Uh, yeah. Well, we don't we don't cover uh, you know mud wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so if well, you got time between uh, five and seven uh, East Coast time or whatever time it is in your area, you know, give the show a call. We'll do my, my do will do my man. We appreciate your support. Now, thank you so much. All right, uh, sorry about that, guys. We 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 love that. We love that. We love that. We love that. Uh, we appreciate the support from Louis. But Daniel, I know you want to get back to what Max was saying, pretty much about the LeBron. Um, uh, uh, you know, Jordan debate, and we didn't get to not give you an opportunity to go in. I know basketball is you and Alexa's topic. So, Daniel, the floor mm. is yours. <laughs> I mean, the one thing that Max really hammered, the, like, hammered the nail on his head about was LeBron's, almost his impact. And I think that doesn't show up. Like, LeBron James, like you said, 98% of the people would pick LeBron James over Jordan. Why? Because LeBron James makes his teammates better. That does not show up on the damn stat sheet. That doesn't. If you're telling me who made their who made their team better, are you with a straight mind going to say Michael Jordan? No, no. You're going to say LeBron James because, as Max said, in those two years, he took. I'm not going to say scrubs because they're NBA players, but he took the bottom tier players to an NBA Finals, and every year we see it. We're seeing it this year with the Lakers. LeBron James is making his team better, and that is one of the most underrated stats in the NBA. You don't, it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. That does not show up on the stat sheet. And people like to say, oh, doesn't have the same rings, doesn't have the same mentality. And, I mean, that's the one thing that really holds me with Jordan. It holds me, by, holds me back from saying um, LeBron James is the best because of Jordan's mentality, because of Jordan's night in and night out. But besides that, LeBron James does everything better. And like you said, a physical specimen. Right. I agree with you. I agree with you. Alexis, any last point you want to add to what Max was saying? And we greatly appreciate Max calling in earlier as well. Um, I pretty much, like Daniel said, he really kind of drove it home. I mean, he made a very good point in the fact that LeBron is not surrounded by these star players and He's not building these super teams that people are saying that he's building to get to these finals. 
Um, because let's be real, if he was building super teams to get his ring, how many rings would he have right now? Endless. So, Endless amount. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I think that that's kind of where the debate really falls apart, where it's just like Michael Jordan was surrounded by great players. He had help. Most of these years, LeBron has not. Damn near all of these years, he hasn't had help. So I think that that's an important part uh, point to consider when people are trying to bring up this whole debate of who's better. Right. I think people – I, I th- usually I, I say when, when I'm debating a topic, I, I usually, you know, throw out the facts because that's kind of how I deal, honestly. And I don't like to debate when there's, you know, when there's speculation involved. The fact of the matter is the facts are – Michael Jordan had a great team around him. No matter which way we try to shape it up and say he, he, um, he didn't, or and that's not taking anything away from Michael Jordan too. He was a hell, one hell of a player. He was one hell of a player. He's considered the goat for a reason. You know what I mean? But I just think that the reason, the reason why you know Michael Jordan has been um, Michael. If you notice, Michael Jordan doesn't really talk about the LeBron a lot. Is because like you know essentially. You, you you feel that you know when you when you feel some pressure when you feel some pressure, you know from from somebody uh, coming coming for your spot or coming for for the throne so to speak. You feel that I'm sure Michael Jordan definitely feels that as well. So it's like I, I'm not saying he, he he's intimidated by LeBron James, but there's definitely something there for sure that makes him a little bit uncomfortable uh, whenever Michael Jordan uh, does come up. Um, I mean whenever LeBron James does come up because he does. He never likes to, to really speak on it. I mean, every now and then you hear him say congratulations to for him as past a passing, a passing a milestone. Um, I, like I think LeBron passed him on points. I think it was, um, or some, or something like that. Uh, was it last year, guys? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember when it was necessarily. But um, yeah, I, I think Michael, yeah, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan said something like congratulations. But in that same token, that same breath, last year when the Patriots played Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Michael Jordan did a commercial hyping up the Packers game. And he said it was a commercial where Michael Jordan was like, oh, so you're saying there's someone else? Oh, there's there's another king? There's another goat? And, you know, essentially they were trying to make it seem like it was shaped up for uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. But um, and, and the, in the commercial, Michael Jordan says, I, I got six reasons to tell you why that isn't the case. <laughs> and it, it was a little, it was a little subtle jab at LeBron James, and it, it, sure it was all in fun. But the fact of the matter is, there's some real heat there. There's some real heat there with LeBron James and Michael Jordan. And I definitely feel like Michael Jordan is the closest. I mean, LeBron James is the closest um, to to actually touching the throne. And like I said, Michael, oh, yeah. LeBron James, LeBron James' career isn't over yet. We don't know mm. what these next few years holds. We we don't know what these next few years holds. So I think I just want to hold it on the talk that he's, you know, isn't better than Jordan because I definitely believe that if he were to surpass Jordan or even tie Jordan, I think a lot of us will be singing a different tune, especially when uh, we didn't even get to talk about I mean, we could literally talk about this debate all day. But we didn't even get to talk about who's done more for basketball, like who's been more of a of a of a prominent figure for basketball. Like that's a that's a real thing, right? Michael Jordan is not known to donate a lot of money to charity. LeBron James is. LeBron James opened up a freaking school. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's always looking to pay it forward. He's always telling these athletes, hey, you're more than an athlete. You know, you can make more money. You can, you know, trying to give them the, trying to preach to them and teach them the different ways of how to go about their business and carry themselves as a true professional. But once again, that, I guess that'll be a conversation for 
a different day, guys, right? (laughs) Uh, I want to thank you guys again for joining in to the Right Way Podcast. We covered a lot today, and uh, I don't think we were even planning it. We we almost went for an hour, guys, believe it or not. Um, Damn. But wanted to tell you guys again, if you missed the live version of this show and you want to catch it, all you got to do is click the link in my bio. Uh, in our bio, in Alex's bio, Alex, I'm, I'm sorry, Daniel's bio, I called you Alex, uh, Daniel's <laughs> bio, um, it'll take you to a website called Anchor. Anchor, from Anchor, you can listen to all of our podcasts, whether it would be on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, you name it, whatever way you want to listen to our podcast, you absolutely could, all you have to do is just click the link in any of our bios, um, leave us a message, leave us a, a comment, say, hey, Love what you're doing with the podcast, or we hate what you're doing with the podcast. Hopefully, it's uh, the first the first one. Uh, want to thank you guys for obviously supporting us, and if you guys actually want to even donate to us uh, for the podcast, you absolutely could. You could donate anywhere to a dollar a month, all the way to ten dollars a month, just to say, hey, we appreciate what you guys are doing with the right with podcast to help future podcasts going forward. Either way, guys, we appreciate you guys always listening in to the show and keeping it going as well. We appreciate all the calls we had calling in tonight, and. Alexis, Daniel, this was fun. This was really fun. Uh, yes, it was. It, it, mm-hmm. It's always good talking sports with two of the best in the business. And with that being said, guys, remember to follow us on Instagram, TWSNet, Facebook, The Right Way Sports Network, Twitter, TWSNet. We've got our app coming out, guys. I'm literally counting down the weeks. I can't wait for it. Saw the live version of it. It looked absolutely phenomenal. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Uh, got a lot of stuff in store for the Right Way Sports Network. But as always, guys, the show will go on. Good night, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to listen in to our podcast produced by the Right Way Sports Network. Subscribe to our channel for more awesome content and follow us on social media on Instagram at TWSNet, on Twitter at TWSNet, and on Facebook at the Right Way Sports Network. And remember, there's only one way to get your sports news and updates, and that is the Right Way.